man, as a communicator, uh, as a worship leader, uh, even as a host on the weekend, you're thinking about this context in a different way because you want the same results. You want to see life, lives transformed. Uh, you want to see, um, you want to see people engaging. You want to see people jumping into next steps, connecting with the church, being discipled, all of those things. And you realize, well, hopping up on stage and saying, go meet me out on the patio is no longer an option. Welcome to the Social Media Church Podcast. I'm Neil Smith, joined by my co-host, Aaron Magnuson. Aaron, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Uh, happy to be here. Nils, you're looking better than ever. You got some new toys and you're in a new office. Is this the first my, podcast? I've got my one and all hoodie on today. You do have your one and all hoodie on. You're repping. Uh, you, and it looks like possibly an Astros shirt underneath yeah, that. And an Astros shirt kind of going Halloween today with the that's orange right. block. Yes. Hey, that's yes. right. All my alma mater color. So you're, you're in the clear. Uh, is this the first podcast you're recording in your new office in New York? I think this is the first podcast in the new, uh, we're calling it the innovation center right now. We've got all kinds of names we're throwing around. I like Uh, the innovation studio at one point, uh, but that created confusion because my youngest daughter is in ballet. Right. She goes to dance studio. And so we're, uh, I, I want it to be more than an office. Um, and so, but who knows where the name will be. Uh, but yeah, it's the, it's we'll go the with office. the innovation center we'll go with the office right now. And yeah. Okay. The, the office. All right. Well, yeah. I think innovation center is what's going to stick. Cause you have some decor up that, that alludes to that. So, but it's, but it's flexible decor. So it's where you can put the letters, you yes. can change the letters. And so when you come visit the office, it's going to say, welcome Aaron Magnuson. That's right. Hey, yeah, I can't for anybody, wait. If you're in New York city, come, come to visit the innovation center. Hang out. Just make sure Nils has enough time to spell your name right and get, get all the letters on the on the board. I don't know correctly. if it has the wit for Magnuson. I'll have to look at Yeah, that. yeah, we got to <laughs> <laughs> might have to do two lines. But Nils, before we get into it today, I have a big announcement that I think our listeners need Let's to know it. about. Uh, I am no longer an Android user. I have wow. an iPhone. Wow. And one of, one of my, yeah, and this is, just this sit is, in that for a so, second. <laughs> so, so I just also, I, you know, I think those that have followed me online left Apple for Android about six months ago. I gave into my Apple addiction. I've got a YouTube video about that. If you want to watch it, but, but you are now entering the Apple world for the, for first, the first time ever. Yep. That's first crazy. time ever. Yeah. I, uh, <clears throat> I sent Nils a text when I got it. I've had it for about a week now. So why, uh, why did you make the move? Yeah. Good. Uh, good call. And then I'll tell the story about, uh, uh, with you, I'll share this. I should share this screenshot on my social media. It's hilarious. I made the switch, uh, for two reasons. One is why I still, even after becoming an Apple, uh, guy, I still hate Apple. And the second one is why I love Apple. Uh, why I still hate Apple is knows people like you, uh, that I interact with on a regular basis, my interactions with people who are in the Apple ecosystem is stunted and slowed. Uh, just texting, like even just texting is slowed because I am not in the Apple ecosystem. Uh, and that is what I still hate about Apple, that I was forced to get an Apple so that I can be more productive with those that I interact with more frequently. But on the other side of the coin, what I love about Apple is I also entered a season of my life where uh, kind of that freedom and flexibility, and you've, you've vlogged about this uh, on your YouTube channel, some really cool things that you can do with your Android. Uh, 
in, in regards to customization, flexibility, those sorts of things. Um, I'm no longer in that season. I'm in a season where when I'm using something, I need it to work every single time and I need it to work seamlessly and flawlessly. Uh, And so Apple is unrivaled uh, in terms of that. So those are the two main reasons that I switched, both for productivity, but one of the reasons is why I hate Apple and the other reason is why I love Apple. So that is- And I gotta tell you, it has been for me going back to Apple, that exact reason has been so nice of it just works. I've had zero issues. Android has all kinds of challenges, not mostly not because of Android, but because of the developers not really developing, prioritizing iPhone over Android. And so the different apps don't always work as well on Android. Um, I don't blame it on the device or the, you know, Android system. I blame it on the developers. Um, But my iPhone this morning, I had an app that I needed to download. And I couldn't download it. And so I'm now a frustrated Apple user. I'm not switching back quite yet, <laughs> no. uh, but I feel like I'm going to have to send my phone back or something because I've restarted. I've done all the things. And Dang. Um, so we'll I'll see. Give a, I'll give a shameless plug for the 12. I, I, I happened to enter the game right right when the, the iPhone 12 came out. So yeah. that's, it's been a great, great phone thus far. But when I said Apple's Mills, got a big announcement coming out and it's probably going to be already out by the time this podcast ooh. is released. But Apple just announced yesterday. So we're recording this on November 4th, uh, but maybe yesterday, maybe two days ago that they have one more thing uh, coming out next week. And so we can't wait guessing it's a new MacBook as uh, rumors are, uh, but we will see. We shall um, see. So Aaron, we've got, we've got a fun conversation uh, here today. Yeah, we we've, got a, we've got a great uh, tweet uh, from P- Peter Inglert. Uh, yep. I hope I said your name right, Peter. Appreciate you listening uh, and being a part of the community and your question got our attention. Yeah, and, and Peter, I want to give Peter a quick shout out. Peter is super engaged. Like Peter uh, reaches out to us on Twitter quite frequently. I know I have a, a multiple DMs from Peter. Peter, we appreciate you and we appreciate how you interact with this podcast and just a great opportunity to encourage the rest of our listeners. Seriously, se- send us messages like Nils and I, ha- we have time for you. Uh, it, well, I would say this way, we'll make time for you because uh, we appreciate the questions like these. But yeah, so Peter, great job. Thanks for uh, asking this question. Yeah. So the, the question is, uh, I'd love to hear a social media church podcast on producing on-demand services differing from live streaming services. Also, I'd love to hear your thoughts on a one online service model like Transformation Church versus multiple services <laughs> like Life Church. Great questions. It is a great um, question. I'm laughing because yeah. in my seat at one and all, this is the question I feel like I've been asking yeah. all of quarantine. Uh, and I'm curious before we dive in, Nils, was this a, even a thought or a question before quarantine, like before everything and everybody went online? Like, have you heard this yeah. for a lot of years or did this question really emerge out of a new season, which is uh, the coronavirus? You know, I, I think it's been a question for a lot of years. Uh, I think I think back to eight or nine years ago when, you know, Alan George and Jay Crandon, there were like five of us that were doing this. Yeah. Um, and we would debate this. Um, uh, do you want a critical mass or do you want to spread it out? Uh, can you, you can reach more people by spreading it out, but you end up being too, you know, disseminated. And so it's, it's there's not a right answer here. And I, I think it's, <laughs> it's hard to argue with what Life Church is doing. Um, and I, and I think you're seeing, and, and he mentions, you know, transformation church here, a church that comes in like transformation and disrupts everything of like how to, like, that's not the model. That's not what elevation church does. That's not what, 
this other, you know, so we, we look at these other churches and just kind of say, this is the model. And I'm going to do that because they did it. I don't know why they did it, but it must be the right thing. And, uh, right. and I want to be clear just because transformation church does, it doesn't mean you should do it either. Um, yes. It's working for transformation church because they have a unique model. And so I think you've got to, I, I, I don't know that there's a right answer. I definitely have an opinion on it and maybe we can mm-hmm. share our opinion and then talk it out. Aaron, yep. I would love to know, what are your thoughts when you hear uh, these two things on demand versus live, and then even kind of the TC model versus the life church model? Where do you land? I, yeah. I'm, so, yeah. And I'm glad he asked both of those questions because they're not lumped together. And I think that would be the mistake that, that people would make um, because there, there can be a pre-produced service no live elements is what I'm uh, defining pre-produced as that goes out simulated live multiple times uh, in the same way that there could be a live service that just goes out once uh, and then is used later on demand. So I'm glad the distinction is drawn there. Now, what I learned in um, this season predominantly to to address the first part of the question, something pre-produced versus something live one and all, uh, during the quarantine time has gotten to a place where we, and we're not going to stop either. So actually last weekend was our first weekend back having uh, altered um, CDC guideline uh, suggestion, following CDC guideline suggestions uh, back. We've decided that we are not going to stop pre-producing services. So there will be some live services on the weekend, uh, but none of those will be broadcast out. We are going to have a pre uh, put together package. Um, what I've seen around other churches, though, is there are some churches uh, that have been continuing with live elements all the way through, uh, even if there's no people in the room. And so it, regarding pre-produced and uh, a live stream service, I've seen both be really successful. And I don't I think that's totally down to the team that you have, the bandwidth that you have, uh, the ability uh, on both sides, like, do you have the, the capacity and the team to put together a live service where you're actually going through all the elements right away? You have people uh, mixing uh, audio stuff with cameras, all of that. Um, in our context, we have a lot of people who can do things in post, post-production, uh, and we have really nice cameras. And so, um, and there's a timeline that we're on where it's much easier to engage with certain parts of the world that we have influence in with a pre-produced service that can go out in an appropriate amount of time for them to be able to have their house churches on their Sunday, uh, places like Australia and New Zealand uh, that are a day ahead. And so in our context, on demand for online works better. Um, but in regard, I'm, I'm less interested in that debate. I think the second question is more what I'm interested in. But Nils, really quick, I'd be curious, um, a, a, a completely pre-produced versus a completely live service. Do you see, do you have strong opinions one way or the other? Yeah, I, I you know, my opinion is I, I think we, we try to Im- imitate what we do in physical gatherings online yeah. rather than really philosophize here's what we're accomplishing and why we're doing this gathering and what yeah. we want to accomplish on the other side. And the reality is, is, is we behave differently online than we do in person. Now we yes. have to have a time for our service because if you're not in the room at the same time, you can't just walk in to your church service at any, any time. And the church service starts when you want it to, but on the internet, it can. Totally. And, and I think our behaviors online is how much live TV 
do, do any of us watch anymore? Now, in the past, we all watched Friends at the same time. We all watched certain things yep. at the same time. Now we watch the Super Bowl at the same time. Uh, we watch yeah. a few key, you know, things, sports primarily for, for us. Yep. Um, but but we watch when we want to, how we want to, where we want to. Um, and I think church, you know, functions in many ways the same way. I, I actually, we go to Hillsong, New York. It's, it's a debate I have uh, mm-hmm. with their team. And they've shifted uh, to the one service that is pre-recorded that goes on YouTube primarily and premieres at a certain time yeah. uh, where they have more engagement and then it's on demand from there. And, and so, so yeah, so my opinion, I think is clear of it's actually not life church or TC of, I would just do a pre-recorded service and release it uh, yep. as on demand, knowing that on demand is how people primarily behave online. And this is you and I work with transformation church and we yep. see that of they might have a hundred thousand people watch their live service. That's awesome. Yep. <laughs> but they're going to have almost a million watch it and listen to it on demand uh, through exactly. their podcast and YouTube channel. And so I think you've got to prioritize that. Now also I, I in, and I think transformation church does a great job of this. When uh, they put it on demand, it's just the message. And, and I think understanding what people are wanting in that yep. experience. Um, and we can even see it in the, in live streaming statics statistics of when you have music come on and when, when you have different elements, when it, when it climbs and when it dips, yep. uh, music doesn't translate as well online. Now I will say though, transformation church breaks these rules. They had a three hour unplanned worship service that exploded online. Yeah. Um, and so I don't think that's a model. I think that's a unique circumstance. Yep. Um, that was cool. And I think sometimes you've got to flex. You don't just stay within the, the box um, so yeah, so my opinion is on demand is what churches need to prioritize online. Um, and, yes. uh, and I would prefer a pre-recorded experience. Uh, but I, I don't know that that's, I think that's up to you now, the life church. So the life church model is to basically pre-record and then release and play over that service over over. Yeah. like eight o'clock, nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. And that's what I did with onlinechurch.com. Uh, 24-7 for churches. Well, this was kind of early days of streaming. And that's how we wanted people to worship at the same time in the same place. Uh, Well, I think behavior has changed. And so that's where it's working for Life Church. And I don't think they uh, should change. And I think you look at a church like Transformation Church, you get on there, that chat's going so fast, you can't keep up with it. So you're not really experiencing community. It's just kind of like an experience shout, uh, together, but it's part of the experience. Yeah. So they could, and they do a rebroadcast, um, I think on, on Tuesdays mm-hmm. of that whole life service. And that chat is a little slower if that's what you're wanting. Uh, but I think the reality is you don't talk in church. You sing alongside yeah. church. You, you respond uh, to the preacher, uh, but you're not really experiencing person to person community in a worship experience. Yes. Primarily. And, the worship experience is not all of church. So in this conversation, we're talking about the worship experience, but church is a much bigger. So when we talk about online church, it's community, discipleship, Bible study, fellowship, mission. Um, it's, it's a lot more than worship. Uh, but this specific element where we focus is worship. So I think the TC model is where most of it's going. I think more on demand, yep. prioritizing on demand. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's my initial thought here. Yeah. I would, I would agree. Yeah. I think we land in, in a similar place, which, which makes for less of a good conversation. Um, (laughs) But I, so I would say I, while I don't, I don't 
I would say I'd lean toward the pre-recorded side because if you're thinking about somebody uh, consuming this on a screen, yes, the experience is better. Um, and so if, if you're, it, yeah, it depends, it depends on your context, right? Like, are you, are you thinking online first? And I think that is what changed in this season and why this conversation has kind of emerged out of this season is because everybody was experiencing church in a different, well, I shouldn't say everybody, the vast majority of churchgoers were experiencing it in a new way, watching it through a screen versus watching it in person, which meant man, as a communicator, uh, as a worship leader, uh, even as a host on the weekend, you're thinking about this context in a different way because you want the same results. You want to see life, lives transformed. Uh, you want to see... Um, you want to see people engaging. You want to see people jumping into next steps, connecting with the church, being discipled, all of those things. And you realized, well, hopping up on stage and saying, go meet me out on the patio is no longer an option. And yeah. so uh, you had to think about those elements through yeah. the eyes of someone watching on a screen, which is all of a sudden open the doors. Well, okay. If we're thinking this way, why do we go live six times on a weekend, which is what we were doing. Um, and so I think a, a conversation that maybe us in this space have been having for a while is, oh, wow, the landscape is changing. Netflix and Hulu and YouTube in a lot of ways, everything, exactly what you said, Nils, outside of live sports yep. uh, and maybe live events like the Grammys or the ESPYs or um, those sorts of things, you, yep. you don't, you, you watch it when you want to watch it. And, right. and even podcasts batch releasing episodes, like a whole new season and you binge it. Yeah. Uh, this is the consumption behavior of our society. And so why are we treating church any differently? And to be honest, uh, they're still doing that. So like, there's a body of people that don't engage with any of a, anything that we do video wise. They just wait for the podcast to come out. They listen to the podcast and they engage that way. Yep. Uh, and, and maybe that's because we're not their primary church or maybe we are, but they want to engage with us when they want to. And so instead of trying to fight that, um, embrace that. And so I think a lot of us like you, Peter, have been thinking about this in a different way. Uh, to where you're asking these questions, which is good. And so I think the more interesting debate is, well, how many times do you go live? And so for us, we've, we've made the determination that yes, we want to put our best foot forward for somebody, not just watching on a screen, but uh, thinking through house churches are, are where we want to move in the future. And so we're thinking about, okay, somebody's in a living room watching this on a TV, maybe by themselves, but probably with other people how can we put the very best experience forward for that scenario? And we've actually made the determination, our physical campuses will follow suit based on what that decision is. And so what that means is our, our lead pastor won't be preaching live very often. He's going to be visiting campuses and interacting with people, but not up on stage preaching. Uh, that frees him up uh, energy-wise to do more creative things content-wise that is going to like evergreen content that's going to last digitally for a lot longer, pastor more people at scale. But he also has that experience. And honestly, when he was preaching three or four times on a weekend, he, he wasn't interacting on the patio. And so you, you actually, you might have seen him preach live, but you weren't going to interact with him on the patio because he's trying to recharge between services. Yeah. So there's two new elements that are coming out of this season. One, you're going to interact with him uh, at all of our campuses, not just the, the main broadcast yeah. campus. And uh, his ministry is skilled because he's done something that's digital forward first yeah. uh, that people are going to. It, um, watch months and years down the road uh, because of how podcasts work and because of how YouTube works. And so 
we've made that decision. And then the next natural thing is, okay, if we're thinking about what's happening on the screen, then we should also be thinking about consumption behaviors and consumption behaviors. You, you can go live uh, five times in hopes that that works for 90% of your church, or you can, uh, maybe go live no times. We, we go live twice. We go live uh, one for the very first service on, on Saturday at 5 p.m. And then uh, we go live for what is traditionally our largest service at 9 a.m. Uh, the following Sunday. So we go live twice. So we've whittled it down from going live seven times to going live just twice. Yeah. And I still think that's too much. I'd love to see a world where we just go live once. Yeah. Uh, and have all the analytics get thrown on top of that one piece of content that then gets watched over and over and over again. But the reason we made that decision was because um, people know where to find it. It's in all of the places. There are places to chat if people want to chat while they watch. Uh, We still have a podcast for them to listen to. Um, And that, that allowed, and I'm not saying that, that our model is correct, but what we wanted to do was not just match, uh, online thinking first on the screen. We also wanted to match it with how we're releasing it uh, because you're not seeing a live game broadcast more than two times. Maybe it happens live and then you get a replay on a different channel uh, or something like that. But the reality is you can find it. And, and specifically talking about the NBA, I'd rather watch the 10 minute YouTube recap than the whole thing. Um, And so I know church is a little bit different and the the risk of talk comparing sports and stuff like that is risky because it is a different medium, but I would much rather see us uh, deliver content that's matching the day and age that we live in with calls to action that are actually going to change lives, get people plugged into our, our churches better, get them into our discipleship strategy, all of those things, than doing something that we've traditionally done that maybe feels better to us, but it's not actually getting those results because we're not talking to the people that are consuming it on the other end. Yeah, it's your... Your example of sports, I think, is a good analogy here in that, you know, I think we just saw this with uh, with baseball, you know, of there was a missing element of watching live without the crowd there. Yeah. And I think there was something of the players engaging with the crowd that is that engages the, the video viewing audience. Yes. more. And so I think when it comes to doing your live stream services, there's value in that capture with people in the room yep. from just an energy perspective yeah. uh, that, that it brings. Now, I think what you've got to prioritize and in, in that ministry leaders are learning is that you've got to look at uh, when you're doing that recording, you've got to prioritize the online audience because historically it's been like a secondary audience where now it's a primary audience and like a studio audience. Now you're engaging both and it's, totally. uh, it shouldn't be an audience, it should be a congregation, it's a church, totally. uh, it's worship. Uh, but but I think that analogy is similar. And then, but, but you think about how people engage with sports is you pick a team, but you didn't just pick a team out of nowhere. You typically, maybe you saw, you know, maybe you saw a, a clip on sports center of a certain thing or on social media of, you know, Mike Trout hitting home runs. You're like, yeah. man, I like the way he plays or he's got a bat flip. It catches your attention. Yeah. Well, then you're probably going to watch a game on demand. Uh, yep. Because you're going to watch it where you want, when you want. But then when you're a committed fan, you set your clock for 7 p.m. to watch the game when it's live. Right. And I think this is the same ministry funnel that's going to happen with church services is you're going to if you're not getting sermon clips and worship clips and different pieces of your worship experience, yeah. micro content, you know, pieced out, 
that's where people are going to first engage with your church. And then they're probably going to go to your website and watch a full message. Uh, So make sure that's available. Uh, And then as they engage and you have calls to action out of that, uh, they're going to say, I want to experience the full thing. I'm going to set my clock and join on Sunday morning or whatever time your service is. Yep. So I think that's the flow that's happening. The other thing that's interesting, just a trend that I'm seeing with the churches that I'm working at and looking at their data uh, is that early services are doing way better online. And I think this has to do with, you don't have to get ready. You don't have to get your kids ready. You don't have to get to the car. So I think you we're seeing this trend of, look, I'll I'll go, historically, I'd never go to a 9 a.m. service. You know, I'm going to sleep in on Sunday as late as I I can. And the kids, there's no way they're getting to a 9 a.m. service. Uh, But Sunday morning is like, we're watching in bed, you know, like we're having church, it's fully church, uh, but we don't, we don't have to get ready. We don't, you know, like nothing. So it's easier to go to the earlier service. So you're seeing, I think, more engagement in earlier services. I think that's an interesting trend. Um, and, and yeah, I just, it's, it's a fascinating season of learning yep. and, and I don't know that we know where this is going and it's, uh, I think we just yeah. keep testing and I think that's where this question is such a healthy totally. question. I do want to, I do want to say one thing that I think is interesting, uh, um, to what Peter is talking about and the risk of looking at a transformation church and why it's important to look at your own context. One of my biggest fears as an online pastor, um, in, in my church's context, and and this isn't a knock on my church, but, uh, it's one of the things that I'm thinking about because it's my context that a transformation doesn't have to think about, uh, is once those people come back in the room, the risk of doing something for us that is not pre-recorded is our pastors and our teaching team has not uh, been in front of a camera for a long enough period of time, even in this quarantine, even for eight months, has not been in front of it for long enough to remember the camera once faces go back into the room. And so uh, that's my context. And that's what I'm thinking about. And so the risk of looking at a transformation church and seeing what they're doing, because they have not, well, I I think that they've done some pre-recorded worship. um, And I think that mostly has to do with sound because they've still done it on the stage, but everything that they've done is still basically a live service. The reason I think that transformation church and what sets it apart is Mike Todd. Not only does he not forget about the camera, even when people are in the room, the camera is the first and most important person. And I'm going to call the camera a person uh, because that is so important for people who are in front of a camera to understand that is a person that you're talking to. I'm looking at the camera right now. I'm not looking at Nils down below on my screen. We're recording this on Zoom, right? I'm looking at the camera um, because I'm talking to you watching on YouTube. I'm not talking to Nils right now. And so uh, that's funny. Nils, your screen just went black. (laughs) Um, But That is one of the most important things that I think uh, we, if you're a communicator and a pastor listening to this, you need to learn that skill and not forget about it when people come back into your room. And I think for us that are maybe online pastors or thinking or or content distributors, we need to be thinking about, okay, the reason that we're still going to produce pre-produced content is because it's a, it's an easier win for our teaching team when there isn't another distraction outside of the camera being in there. Um, because the reality is even the people in the room may revisit this message six months, even two months, maybe that week, because they want to hear it again, because it's so good. Um, and so when you're looking at transformation, you're, gosh, well, they're doing a live service and they're killing it. They do everything on the stage and they're killing it. Don't forget about why that might be. And the reason is because they're still talking to the online audience 
first. And so for a lot of us, um, that is not true and that's not the case. And we haven't set our services up or our congregation to understand why there's a camera on the stage. I mean, I remember watching in this FU series, uh, that's when we're recording this. And if you have not watched the FU series, you need to go check that out. Uh, yes, F you. Um, and they had a camera on the stage and, and it's literally circling Mike. Like it's a reality TV show. And Mike is talking to the, like, he's almost grabbing the camera and we love that. I mean, I remember watching shows like whose line is it anyways. And sometimes this happens on the late show where they'll walk off the stage and go to, and it's like this powerful thing happens. Um, and not all of us are in a position to do that. And so that's why t- sitting down, talking to the camera for those house churches, for those people is the reason that most of us will have better success pre-recording. Uh, and why, when you look at transformation church, you realize, wow, that is an incredible anomaly that is happening. And I, I'm inspired to maybe be that, but you need to understand the work that goes into to getting there. Nils, I don't know if you have thoughts on any of that, but I yeah, wanted to kind of point that out. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's such an interesting conversation and I, I think it will continue to develop and mature. And I think, you know, this COVID quarantine season has, has forced a lot of testing un, unplanned testing um, and, and so many learnings that are, that are coming yeah. out of this. And uh, I get excited about where this is going and, and the pastors that I see embracing online. And, and I think these debates are healthy. And I think yes. that the answer is which one is better transformation church or life church. It's both. And, both. you know, yep. uh, it's, you know, should you do on demand in live? Yes. Um, and, and so I think it's, it's really figuring out how you utilize these for your church yep. and in your context with your resources, uh, because not everybody has the same staffing structure, the same yep. gear, uh, and, and all of those things. And so, and, and I jump in real quick, yeah, Nils, and say yeah. successful because not because of their view, not because of the reach, both of those churches are getting incredible salvations, incredible effectiveness at bringing those who are far from God, who are not transformed by Jesus to becoming close to God and becoming transformed by Jesus. Their funnels work uh, also Saddleback. That's one of the places that um, you reference Peter in, in your initial question on Twitter, Saddleback doing the same thing. They go live once on YouTube, once on Facebook. And in the words of Jay Cranda, because we're not building Facebook's kingdom or YouTube's kingdom, we want to build our own kingdom. And so the majority of their stuff is you need to come to our website. And the reason is because not because of arrogance or pride, that is the very best way for someone to get connected to Saddleback and get into their discipleship, not to watch, to get into their discipleship program. So don't, don't lose sight of what you're chasing either. Like life church and transformation are successful because I, and yeah, Nils and I have the pleasure of working with transformation. We get to see those numbers. Those numbers are unbelievable. The salvation, yeah, the views are crazy. The salvation numbers are even more crazy. Uh, and that, and that's the real win, Nils, right? Yeah. Like, and, and this season has, has taught us to reevaluate what are we measuring and how are we measuring the effectiveness of what we're doing online? Well, I would say it ultimately comes down to discipleship and our lives being transformed. Yes. Yes. Exciting day. Exciting conversation. Yes. Uh, send us more questions. We'd love to Please. talk about uh, all of these things uh, here on the podcast, answer your questions and uh, keep pushing social media yeah. forward uh, in the life of the church. Uh, if you would uh, leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever it is you're listening, uh, that would mean the world uh, to us and help other people uh, find this co- this podcast and be a part of the conversation. I'm so pumped about 2021 and where the church is headed um, and grateful uh, that, that 
you're uh, allowing us to speak into uh, the future of the yep. church through uh, these conversations. So yeah. grateful for you. We hope to connect with you personally on social media. Um, and, and we continue to pray for you as you continue yep. to pioneer and lead uh, through uh, your church uh, in the efforts going out through your church. So love you. Thank you. We'll talk to you again on the next episode.